Have you noticed how much things have changed since you became a mum? Do you feel as though you're the only one struggling to adjust to this new norm? Can you no longer see clearly the things that felt so transparent before? Well friend, you are not alone, and we are here to invite you into our mummy village so that you always have somewhere to turn and a place where you belong. Together, we will try and bring to light the common struggles of the modern Orthodox Mama and delve into scripture in the hope of navigating through all of our doubts on this new and exciting journey. So come as you are and open your heart and mind to embrace the transformation God has in store for you. Hello everybody and welcome back to the third episode of the Mami podcast. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the delivery room onwards, so the birth of a new baby and a new mum. So we're just going to talk a little bit about our experiences Mm. of childbirth, (laughs) exciting, fun times, (laughs) fun times, Um, and then kind of delve into the first six weeks and what that adjustment is like with a new baby. Mm. And I guess a bit about like expectation versus reality, Mm. um, what we expected and what our realities were. And I guess this will feed in quite nicely to our next episode um, which we're, we'll be talking about mental health and kind of the struggles of the new mum and certain aspects of our own mental health that really come to light mm. once you have a kid um, and once you're kind of in this new mumming zone. zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, like I have to say the, the delivery and those first six weeks, like just felt like I was not living in a world that I Mm. knew um both both times because I think the first time was a completely new experience and then the second time I still kind of felt like what happened Mm. and you forget you do forget a lot of what it was like um until reality hits good to know again (laughs) so noted noted (laughs) um but I guess I'll start with like my experience with Abby so my my eldest um the my pregnancy was like really pretty straightforward nothing Mm. too exciting or untoward which was great um and I didn't necessarily have any reason to be worried about the delivery except Mm. I was (laughs) significantly so um we, I had had a lot of exposure to a lot of deliveries gone wrong just because mm. of the work that I was doing at the time and very rarely got to see like just a normal happy yeah. baby being born and everyone being happy and no one was sick. That was not my experience. Mm. It was just lots of sick babies, lots of babies being separated from their parents initially. And so that just made me feel mm. really worried. Um, and I had to, I remember I had to keep reminding myself you know, you've only seen the bad. You have to remember you've only mm. seen the bad. Yeah. And I just kept repeating that to myself. People have good experiences. People have good experiences. Yeah. But it's so hard not to make that your expectation. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and then I did have a really good experience, yeah. which was a really pleasant surprise. So, um, so yeah, in the end, I had a really good experience. Um, I was induced, but it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'd heard lots of um, stories about how painful induction mm. was, um, but I have to say that I really didn't feel too uncomfortable. Probably had something to do with the epidural yeah. that I had. <laughs> God's medicine. God. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, 
oh my goodness, it was amazing. Like I felt, I did, I have to say, I did feel like I <laughs> I was dying up until the point that I had it. <laughs> yeah. But then I had it and went straight to sleep and that was amazing. And then I woke mm. up and I was ready to go. And like maybe half an hour later, I had a baby. It was mm. really, really amazing. Um, and I remember like kind of agonizing a lot about whether or not I'd have an epidural. I think mm. I, in my heart, I knew it's what I wanted and there was really not much of a question about that. And yeah. I didn't see the point in, you know, being in pain. Yeah. But- I mean, if you're anything like me, your pain <laughs> threshold is below zero. <laughs> and so you know how much you can cope with. Yes. And for me, it was definitely not an option yeah. because I know pain is not an option for me. I'm a, <laughs> the biggest pansy you will ever hear about in your entire life. Yes. And I know childbirth is not like a paper cut. So. I mean, there I mean- are some crazy women out there who like. They're like, oh, it was such a beautiful experience. I know. And look, they're my heroes <laughs> because if they can do that without an epidural, they can literally do anything. anything. Yeah. And they're just warriors. They, yeah, yeah for me, yeah. they're the real heroes yeah. in this world. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> so I'm going to take the look, easy way Look, I think we're, bo- we're both quite happy to admit that that was not where we, <laughs> yeah. where we were headed. 100%. <laughs> but also I have to say, like, I think I'd also seen lots of, um, deliveries with epidurals and it just looked a lot calmer to mm, me mm. Um, and so that was in the end for me I just felt like you know what I don't want to be distressed mm. or anything I just want to be able to enjoy the experience yeah, as crazy mm. as that sounds um, and I, I really did like the delivery itself was so much better than I expected mm. Um but I have to say, as soon as Abby was born, I looked at her and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really cute kid. And I, I loved her, I guess. Mm. But I didn't have that, oh, my goodness, this is my kid. I am so, like, head mm. over heels in love from that first instant. Yeah. And I think that was my first real shock that, mm. you know, I thought – this baby's going to be not born. like the movies. Yeah. No. Every, but even like talking to other people for yeah, some people that love is at first sight. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I can't say I felt that like I loved her. I don't know how to explain the difference. Like mm. I loved her, but I wasn't like head over heels in love with mm. her. I loved her because she was my daughter because I wanted her. Yeah. But it wasn't this like, I can't, you know, I can't breathe without you kind of mm. love, which you definitely hear a lot about. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't because of anything that happened during my pregnancy. It wasn't anything like that. Yeah. It was or, or during my delivery. It was just, that just wasn't yeah. me, you know? And I guess connection, like we'll speak a little bit about connection, but connection with your newborn, for everybody that looks a bit different. Um, and what is love at first sight from holding your newborn for one mum might be you know love at first sight when you first get to properly interact with Mm. your kid and you feel like you're making a difference or you've got purpose in your mum role so I think the connection comes but it comes in various forms Mm. and it's different for every single mum and if you don't feel that connection from the get-go it's not you it's not the pregnancy it's not the baby it's just that moment Mm. and that's not your connection moment and I feel like it'll come and I'm sure it came for you, but mm. later. Yeah. And at the time, I think your your body has just gone through 
the the biggest ordeal mm. like it, it's a feat to get a baby out of you <laughs> um and we always downplay that experience and we kind of degrade the strength that mm. comes out of it um and even after we've gone through all that we expect fireworks and we kind of have to give ourselves a break mm. because the first thing i wanted to do when i delivered leah was pass out i just sleep. wanted to sleep i had no strength left i could not keep my eyes open mm. so i think connection comes but it looks different for everyone yeah. and that's really important to yeah. remember you know being a new mum it can be really easy to get caught up at that specific moment and it's all downhill from there because you just feel like what have I done wrong why isn't this connection happening yeah. <laughs> like yeah absolutely and the answer is you haven't done anything wrong it's mm. just it doesn't make you less of a parent it's just everybody's a little bit different mm. um the same way that some people like the in my head at least I find it easier to think about it the same way as some people you know when they meet their partner mm. their husbands the first thing that they think is oh my goodness this I love this man I'm gonna yeah. marry him yeah um and other people it like it's something that develops over time so that no two people are the same no two yeah. mums are the same no two birth experiences are the same yeah um and I think a lot of what we are hoping to achieve is to dispel those those myths that mm. things have to look a certain way yeah, for them exactly. to be right. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have a natural water birth and, you know, breastfeed your baby and fall in love with yeah. your kid the second you see them to be a mum. That's not what makes you a mum mm. at all. And it doesn't make your experience any more legitimate or mm. any less legitimate. You know, having a cesarean, choosing to have a cesarean, having a cesarean out of, like, you know, circumstances of your control. Like, the most important thing is that your baby has arrived, your baby is safe, you are safe, and the rest of it is, like, mm. it doesn't matter. Exactly. You, it's just whatever works for you and exactly. works for your your family and works for you and your kid. Um so I think that's the first thing I guess is that everyone's experiences are different mm. um, and no one experience is better than another. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in saying that, I guess for me, similarly my pregnancy was pretty average, mm. I'd say. I mean, uh, I didn't eat for the first 16 weeks because I was just nauseous all the time <laughs> and I was falling asleep at work. I actually, I remember I was doing some locum work when I first fell pregnant and this great hospital that I worked at for a short period of time had their own doctor's room with a bed and oh a shower no. <laughs> and one of the head nurses was really kind she noticed how tired I was and how, how much slower I was and she pulled me aside and she's like are you pregnant I'm like, <laughs> how did you know she's like I, you're just not the same I'm like yeah I'm so tired and she took my phone, she took my pager and she locked me in that room and she's like, you sleep if anything important comes oh, up. So yeah, doctors sweet. of the modern day, guys. This is <laughs> this is what everyone pays us to do. Yep, your hard-earned cash. I mean, this, this was a, a very, a job that I'd never come across again. <laughs> and it was the first time I was ever allowed to do anything like that. Um, and after years of night shifts, <laughs> I felt I earned it. Yeah, you did. I didn't. But anyway, <laughs> so I was just sleeping all the time. I couldn't keep my eyes open and I'd fall asleep at 8 p.m. So I was, I mean, besides the amazing sleep, which I never got again, by the way, till now, <laughs> till today, 
Um, and then nausea. The pregnancy was pretty average. Mm. And then I remember I got to the end and I was laboring for three days. Um, so I remember we had our friends over for a Bible study on the, on the Friday that. night. <laughs> and I, I don't know how nobody noticed because my husband was just taking photos of me the whole night just so that we can remember <laughs> the night everyone was over and I was laboring. Um, and my waters had actually broken that morning and I was having contractions, but they weren't that bad. And I remember I got my first contraction and I remember thinking, it's not that It's bad. a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> what is everyone complaining about? This is nothing. I think everyone has that and thought. I, yeah. <laughs> and after the first, after the second, I'm like, this, like, really, if it's like this the whole time, I'll have 10 babies. Like, this is fine. And then obviously they got worse. Uh, the contractions got worse. They were closer together. I ended up going to the hospital later that night. They're like, you're not even nearly there. So go home. I spent all of Saturday contracting away, but it wasn't that bad. Um, and then midnight that night, uh, on Saturday night, I woke up almost in tears. I'm like, okay, all right, that's a contraction. I kind of know what they feel like now. <laughs> and so I went to the hospital and like, look, you're only a centimeter. You can go home. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going home. If it's this bad, <laughs> I need the epidural now. <laughs> now, like 10 minutes <laughs> It's like ago. monster pregnant lady. Um and so I didn't get it straight away, obviously, by the time, you know, they didn't take me seriously at one centimetre. <laughs> and then at four centimetres, the contractions were severe. I, again, like you, I thought this was how I was going to die. Like this is this is the moment the contractions yeah. going to take me. Um, and I remember asking for the epidural straight away. And once that happened, it was all really breezy. But... I was still not progressing and so I needed to be induced um, and I ended up delivering later that Sunday but the delivery was quite nice in the end um, with the epidural I didn't really feel anything it, it was better than I expected because I, I was expecting the worst mm-hmm. um, as as we do mm-hmm. and to be honest it was all going okay um, and then I actually had that experience where the moment I held Leah, we had this moment where her eyes were closed for so long and the moment I held her, she looked at me. And I remember her just looking straight dead in my eyes and I saw her like beautiful blue eyes for the first time and I was just, I was just taken away. That was just, I I just couldn't believe what just happened. I couldn't believe that I had expelled this beautiful child and God allowed that for me. But then it all went downhill from there. (laughs) Um, So I had that really nice moment. But because I had laboured for so long, the second day, um, I remember during her baby check, the paediatrician was there and I couldn't be more thankful that he was there, actually. It was was almost like God allowed it to happen, but he allowed it to happen in protected circumstances. Um, And at that point... He was holding her and he was teaching us how to wrap her and it was after the baby check was over and then she stopped breathing and she went blue. And so he's calmly trying to help her along but nothing was happening and it was getting worse. And so he pressed the emergency buzzer and she was rushed to the special care nursery. They had to suction all this mucus out. Um, You know, they cannulated her. It was just 
doctors and nurses everywhere. It was just really overwhelming. And from that point, that's when that connection was lost. I became very anxious very quickly. And then the next, you know, newborn stage for me was not this nice connection with a newborn. I I struggled with everything from then and it was just, it was really hard to keep remembering that moment of first connection when all I could think was that second moment where I, I felt like I almost lost her. It was just, yeah, for me, even though the expectation was much worse than the reality in terms of the delivery, mm. I didn't expect to feel as bad as I did right after. Mm. And I kind of, I almost didn't even think about that newborn stage when I was pregnant or even before. I kind of thought birth, 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 delivery, delivery, like that was the important mm. thing. That was a, that was the hurdle I needed to get over. And after that, it'll be fine. I'll mm. figure it out. It'll be okay. You know, I've got my husband, I've got my mum, it's fine, we'll be okay. And I've had friends who've had kids, like, it'll be fine. Mm. But I didn't expect, the reality for me was much worse than the expectation for that phase. So that was especially hard to get over. Yeah. I don't think, I think till this day I still haven't, which is the hardest bit for me. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether, that connection's definitely come back, but it's come back in in different, different forms yeah. and it, it's always attached to a little bit of anxiety it's always attached to yeah this is nice but what if like what if this happens or what if this happens again or what if I'm missing something and I've almost I've almost always tried to set my expectation with that little bit of negativity or hindrance you know from a, a positive reality if that makes sense yeah, it's kind of like your way of trying to protect yourself mm. almost mm. like you you just don't want to feel too much yeah. or like expect too much yeah. just in case yeah exactly um and i think like you know that's such a scary traumatic thing to go through mm. at any point in your life but oh my goodness especially like in that first kind of 72 mm. hours after you've yeah. given birth oh like i like you're exhausted, physically exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted. You probably had no sleep that night because your kid usually keeps you up all mm, night. Mm. Maybe that was just mine. <laughs> um, and you're like just trying to figure yourself out and then to have something like that happen on top. Yeah. It was hard. terrifying. And I remember I didn't, I, from that moment really, I don't remember ever properly sleeping. Mm. And the moments where she slept, it was not a moment for rest for me. It was a moment for me to watch and be mm. Hawkeye because mm. I knew that when she was awake, I was watching. Mm. I knew that. But this happened when she was asleep mm. and it actually happened a second time while we were in hospital. Mm. The second time, thankfully, wasn't as bad and she cleared she cleared it herself, but she had to go to the special care nursery. Um, but I remember the second time it happened, she wasn't held by a doctor. She wasn't awake she was asleep in her bassinet and I could see her struggling and as a newborn obviously you you don't have all the instincts oh I can't breathe Mm. I need to get up so seeing that I pressed the emergency buzzer and they rushed her there and fixed her up and whatever it was all okay and I remember being like reassured in air quotes by (laughs) the pediatrician and he's like look this happens a lot when 
Um, babies are kind of when you're laboring for a really long time they're kind of stuck there for ages they swallow all this mucus it gets stuck in their airways they clear it and it doesn't happen again after 72 hours Mm. after 72 hours it's all done Mm. it's all good but the image I just couldn't shake it and I remember going to my spiritual father at one point because I was such a mess you can imagine like the anxiety, the blues, and then no sleep. <laughs> it's not Bad a good combination. combination with a few other factors, which we won't discuss this time. Um, but I remember going to him in tears and I'm like, I can't shake that image. Mm. Like people can tell me whatever they want. People can try and reassure me from now till kingdom come. Like I can't shake that image. Mm. And I saw that. What if that happens again? in my sleep like what do I do yeah and so for me it it was not I couldn't rest when she rested I couldn't you know when she was kind of happily cooing away in her bassinet I couldn't just run off to the kitchen and do something or I, I, I just sat I was glued to her for a really long time and I, I almost wouldn't let anyone else take that you yeah. know responsibility yeah it's scary and I have to say like you're not alone like I I, I see that I see this or hear similar stories every mm. single day at work like mums who have the chance to rest but just can't switch off because what if something happens and they're yeah. not there or how can I sleep because I don't know if she'll stop sleeping or what if sometimes it's not even about that sometimes it's as simple as but I'm not going to hear her cry or hear mm. him cry mm. um and there is a lot of anxiety in those first six weeks because having a newborn is nothing is like nothing you've ever done Mm. before or unlike anything you've ever done before (laughs) got there eventually (laughs) um it's hard you don't know what to expect you don't know how to care for a baby and Mm. i say this as someone who'd spent like almost 13 14 months literally just caring for babies Mm. in the lead up to this so Mm. if anyone had experience yeah you thought it was me yeah um but I remember feeling like in those first six weeks like I don't know how to help you I Mm. don't know how to stop you from crying I don't Mm. know if you're in pain I don't know if you're sick if you're uncomfortable I don't know what you need are you hungry Mm. and just feeling all this like uncertainty and what if I say the wrong thing if I do the wrong thing have I like ticked all the boxes is there anything else I can do to make her happier to make her more comfortable and that like I said was coming from somebody Mm. who you know you should have I should have known what to or I thought I should have known what to do but there's a really big difference between watching somebody else take care of their kid and supporting them when they're sick and having your own newborn and learning learning what your kid is like learning what your kid's personality is what Mm. kind of reassurance they need and then add into that like all the noise that Mm. you get from outside you know don't cuddle her too much or she'll be spoiled don't feed her too much but when she's crying she's probably hungry so just feed her but (laughs) don't feed her too much because then she'll vomit they're always hungry (laughs) they're always hungry that's always the problem you know um don't wrap them too tightly or make them too warm because then that increases the risk of SIDS Mm. but don't let them be cold because then they won't sleep and you just feel like yeah it's just this constant struggle and this constant anxiety really about getting things just right and I think you know when you were saying you know I couldn't let anyone else watch her Mm. like 
my experience was definitely the same because nobody else was going to do as good a job as I did and I could not for the life of me just kind of sit and let somebody else try and do it Mm. because I felt like this was my responsibility my child I had to take care of her and only I could do that which like looking back now I can see was not first of all, a truthful way to think, but Mm. also not a healthy way to think um, because it made it so hard to just relax when I needed to relax and take care of myself for just a a little bit so that I could take care of her properly, you know. Um, But gosh, those first six weeks were just torture. Mm. And I think, again, it was that, that I felt, I had a lot of emotions. I mean, one of them was like, but I wanted this baby, Mm. like, and I wanted her really badly. And, you know, when I thought that, you know, it wasn't going to happen, I was really upset Mm. and it has happened. So I should be a lot more grateful. Why am I feeling this way? You know? And then also that feeling of, I just don't know how to settle her. I don't know how to make Mm. her happy. That feeling of, you know, my life is completely different. I Mm. can't just you know, grab my bag and walk out the door now. (laughs) What happened to that? What Mm, is that? mm. Um, Trying to learn to adjust my relationship with my husband and with my family, my parents, my parents-in-law, like everything, everything changed. Mm. Nothing was the same. And that for me was like a huge shock to my system and I just did not Mm. know how to deal with it. Yeah, and I guess in the birth of a new baby comes also the birth of a new person Mm. like you're completely different Mm. I'm completely different to the person I was before and I just I guess that the the comfort for me and I'm I'm really only starting to think about this now and reflect on that time and you know I wish I could have seen it that way then but circumstances did not allow (laughs) but the comfort in my anxiety and my obsession I would say with my daughter I guess makes me kind of almost love God more I I almost see if I can be this obsessed with somebody that came out of me that I feel I made and I really contributed when really he did the bulk of the work, <laughs> but I was part of it. How obsessed is he with me? Mm. And if I can be totally consumed by this one tiny little human who relies on me for absolutely everything, how much more so is God completely taken mm. over by me? Like mm. how much could he possibly love me? If I love this person so much, you kind of gauge a little bit or you get a little bit of an insight, I guess, as to how God feels. Mm. And I know it doesn't it doesn't really compare, but it's the only way we have and it's the only way we can compare. Mm. And I guess that that um, that thing we were speaking about where we couldn't, you know, get anyone else to look after them because I, I'll do the best job. Nobody knows her as, as well as I do. Um, I'm the one that, you know, has her best interest at heart and that's how I always thought. And I always thought, you know, the moment I step away, it's going to happen again. I'm not going to be there. 
when really I probably wouldn't have added anything to the situation. Um, But in a way, you know, I felt, I think someone told me at the time, but I almost, I was robbing everyone else of that connection with my baby, Mm. of that connection with her. I was robbing her dad Mm. of that connection that he could have with her. And I mean, that time you don't get back. You do get in different forms with other kids if you have more, but you don't get that time back with that child. And so it was really enlightening to hear that. And I guess that was my driving that was that was my driving factor, my motivator. Every time I, I wanted to say no to having five minutes alone or no to him taking her for a walk or every time I kind of had this overwhelming anxiety when somebody else wanted to carry her and, you know, just walk her around. I'd constantly think, just think what I'm depriving them of. Like, what am I depriving them of in this, in this second? What am I letting my anxiety take away from someone else? Mm. And it's a really hard way to think until this day, I still have to kind of bring that to memory and kind of still bring that to light every time I want to say no to someone. Every time someone says, let me look after her at church Mm. or let me take her to Sunday school or let me do this or whatever, every time I want to say, you know, no, (laughs) no, no, with all due respect, (laughs) no, I kind of think again, what am I depriving this person of? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm taking away a moment with a really special kid who's so much fun to be around. Yeah. Who doesn't sleep, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and I'm I'm taking that away from them. And worse, I'm taking that time away from her other family members that love her mm. just as much as I do. Like, mm. yeah, I, it's 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 still a working progress, <laughs> but still till this day, it's just something that I have to keep reminding myself of because we all long for connection. And I mean. God created us at the beginning out of love. He just wanted to share some, like you know, this whole creation with someone. He wanted to share it with his first loves. And that's what he wants to do till this day with us. And we brought her into this world and we want to kind of raise her in love and, and raise her with the love of God completely instilled in her. But I'm, I'm taking that away from other people, mm. you know, for her to see Christ in others, for her to see love all around her, for her to see how much she is loved because I let my anxiety and my my fears around that whole time and I guess my experiences mm. govern my actions, mm. which is it's hard. It's really hard um, and it, it just it's a constant reminder thing that I <laughs> have to keep playing over in yeah. my head to yeah. make it happen. Yeah, I think though like... The other thing is sometimes it's really hard for us to even think of asking for help, you know, like you just feel like, or maybe that's like for me anyway, like I feel like this is my responsibility. Mm. And that's definitely how I felt at the beginning. Like I should, I should be able to manage this on my own, which is like, it's ridiculous. Like, like that's what our families are there for. Like we weren't created alone. We were like God created Eve for Adam to help him. Mm. Um, like we're meant to live in community. We're meant to have our families around to help us. And if we are so lucky that we have that, we need to use that. Yeah, for um, sure. Part of it is like you're saying, you know, that you, you help them foster a relationship with each other. So your your kids and your parents, for example, or your kids and your husband, whatever it mm. may be. But part of it is also that 
sometimes it's not until you step away that you can see what's happening yeah you get so consumed in the little details like how long did they sleep how many times have they dirtied their nappy how many and like just all these tiny things that you're like expected Mm. to count and know how much did you feed how much did you not feed and you it's so easy to get caught up in Mm. all of that especially in those first six weeks and so i think using the people around you and the help around you just makes it that little bit more bearable Mm. yeah but also using god using christ and leaning Mm. on him and i think that's something that definitely the first time around it took me a little while to come back to be able to do Mm. that but just remembering that like you said like he loves us beyond what we can imagine and i remember and i still have my days where i do the same thing and i just break down and i say you know i can't do this anymore Mm. i literally cannot i cannot i cannot take another moment of crying and not knowing how to settle her and i'd literally say to him you know you love her more than i do Mm. i know i can't understand that but you love her more than i do please help her help Mm. her just settle her just help me and honest to god like every single time that i would get to that point he gave me this grace where somehow she would sleep really well or settle really well or do something really sweet which would slowly slowly help me build that you know, yeah. I am so totally head over heels in love with you moment. Yeah. Um, and I have to say for me, that didn't come until a few months in. I really struggled those first few months, um, not just the first six weeks. I remember yeah. like, you know, thinking oh, after six weeks, something like some switch is going to flick and I'll be yeah. fine. Um, I'm still waiting for that switch. But just learning to depend on him a little bit. But it is hard. Nothing prepares you for the sleepless nights, Mm. whether it's because your kid's up all night or because you're up because you're anxious or or sad, Um, whether it's, you know, nothing prepares you for, like, the pain of, like, trying to breastfeed. For if you can breastfeed, you know, feeling like your body has just not – it's not yours anymore. Like, Mm. I really remember feeling that quite strongly, Mm. um, that, you know, pregnancy took its toll and then you're breastfeeding and you just feel like I'm still not – completely in control Mm. of my own body Um, and then if you're not breastfeeding for a lot of women that can be associated with a lot of guilt Mm. um, and a lot of external pressure from not just like the medical field but even just family members Mm. you know why aren't you breastfeeding why aren't you doing this and I again have lost count of the number of times where I've had to kind of say to mums you know it's okay Mm. your baby is being fed isn't Mm. that what matters like Mm. The way you feed your baby is not what's nurturing that relationship. It's the fact that you love your baby and you care for your baby. Mm. Um, It's just such a hard time to feel like, you know, to try and adjust. And even knowing all that, so, you know, going... I I didn't have the expectation of being able to breastfeed Mm. and I always knew I was going to mix feed from the beginning so that I could give my husband that that connection Mm. that time and because I didn't want to wake up in the middle of the night I'm not a very good (laughs) night person um but from the beginning even though I went in knowing that this is what I'm gonna do yeah my I guess inability to breastfeed had such a toll on me Mm. and it didn't take I guess I waited till it took my GP to give me a call and just 
talk me through it and say, stop, you need yeah. to stop. You need yeah. to stop everything you're doing to try and force this. It's mm-hmm. not happening. Mm-hmm. Your baby doesn't need this. Stop. You're doing more harm for yourself. And it, it wasn't, obviously I was a complete mess, <laughs> but it wasn't until I was sort of bluntly told like that to just to stop thinking about what I should be doing or yeah. what I should be able to achieve as a mum and to try and kind of take away the guilt of not being able to breastfeed because it's not my fault and to just enjoy her, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it, even though I knew all this, even though I would have said this to anyone going through the same thing, and I'm sure I did, mm. it did when I was in that situation – I finally understood why everyone gets so attached to breastfeeding and that that want to be able to do everything that society and the norm, I guess, tells you that this is what mums should be able to do. This Mm -hmm. is what you should be able to do as a mum. You should be breastfeeding. You should be able to settle. You should be able to do this. You should have that connection. You should have that love at first sight. It, It took a really long time to just be able to silence all of that you know from the beginning it was I was wheeled out of the delivery suite into my room in the hospital and I remember I still couldn't feel my legs from the epidural I was still (laughs) I was in the delivery suite for so long they're like look we need to use this room you're just gonna have to be wheelchaired (laughs) over to the room and I still wasn't over the delivery and I had put you know a dummy in her bassinet and I was ready to use it from the beginning nobody was telling me otherwise and on the way to the room, the midwife was blasting me and telling me off about the choice I've just made. Mm, and I've just you. set her up for failure for the rest of her life. Mm. All of a sudden she's telling me about her, her kid in college and how she destroyed his life. But anyway, <laughs> story for another day. But from the beginning, this is my first like yeah. 12 hours of yeah. being a mum. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I guess that that checklist that we try and kind of cover ourselves comes from a lot of it comes from you know being in the hospital and seeing you know this is how many meals the baby had this is how many you know times they breastfed this is how many times they wet their nappy and it's all written on a chart and for me seeing that I'm like oh this is what I need to do I need to get a chart at home because if that's what they're doing that's what I need to be doing and it's really hard to kind of ignore that noise because you learn so much when you're in the hospital, but also because it's also overwhelming and new, sometimes you can take in a bit too much that you don't really yeah, need. Yeah. 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 And I, like, I guess like for me, I was quite lucky. Like when I had Emily, my experience was completely different. Mm-hmm. And I actually did have that, you know, I am in love with you when she was born moment Mm. and I found those first six weeks a lot more relaxing Mm. I learned I had by that point you know you've I've learned to trust my instinct I know that it'll be okay I'll get through it Mm. it's going to end whereas I think the first time around you just feel like it's not going to end and I remember turning to Michael and saying to him you know I wish that I had this knowledge 
when I had my first mm. because it would have made it so much easier mm. knowing that yes okay she's going to be unsettled for a bit but that's okay we'll get through it it's okay if I you know if she cries for a little bit because I can't get to her straight away it's okay if I need 10 minutes to myself to like wash my hair for mm. the first time in mm. two weeks um and definitely like the second time around my experience was completely mm. different but I think if we were all just a little bit kinder to ourselves, if we had less expectations of yeah, ourselves that yeah. first time around, and if we talk about our good and bad experiences mm. with each other, you know, we're not going to build this expectation that, oh my goodness, life with a newborn is yeah. bliss because it's really not. It's not, yeah. It's, it's hard. And it's meant to be hard. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, if it was easy, everybody would be having so many babies yeah, all yeah, the time. Exactly. And I mean, some women do, and <laughs> that's great, but, you know, that reality might not be the same for yeah. me. And, you know, like we said in the last um, episode, we're all different. We all parent differently. Our help looks different. Yeah. Our families are different. Yeah. Um, you know, how many kids I have is different. How many kids I had, how many kids I want to have, all of that is different. Yeah. You know, my my financial independence, my so many factors, my career, whether I'm studying, there are so many different things in our life why do we expect the newborn stage to be exactly the same for every single mom and we're so kind to others when you know they're a bit different or they're struggling but when it comes to ourselves you're right we're not kind to ourselves, and we you know like in the last episode we set this ridiculous benchmark like I can't be a perfect mum from the get-go because I'm learning yeah like you didn't have that great experience the second time because you had a great experience the first time. Mm. I think it happened because of the experience you yeah. had the first time around. Having that knowledge, having that experience. And it's just like going through any trial. You know, like think about, you know, I just turned 30. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that during that time I've been reflecting and usually I'd be really depressed about a birthday uh, and I still was a little bit upset, but I wasn't that <laughs> upset. But I, would, I just kind of reflecting over the last few years and I'm just – I compared myself when I turned 20 and I remember the night before my 20th birthday I was a mess and I was crying and I was eating ice cream in front of the TV I was so (laughs) upset and I'm just like think about everything I've gone through from 20 to 30 how that shaped me to the person I am today Mm. and I kind of look at that kind of 20 year old Marette and I'm like oh god like if only you knew don't do this don't do that like don't like there are so many things you could do differently but if it wasn't for all of those experiences there's no way Mm. you know I could have I guess the gratitude I have now for a lot of things I didn't have gratitude for before and it's the same with motherhood it's the same with the first few weeks having a kid that experience shapes us whether good or bad it shapes us and I think like you said, in talking about it, whether it's good or bad, this is how we come together. This is how we grow. This is how we build our tribe. And this is where we realize that we're not alone. Mm. And it's so lonely those first few Mm. weeks. It is so lonely. And you feel almost guilty talking about your struggles and your choices. You don't feel proud of your choices Mm. because you feel like somehow they're wrong. All my choices are wrong. Everything I'm feeling is wrong. But no, if the vast majority of us have had those feelings and almost all of us have thought that we're doing the wrong thing and unless we really pray and really seek 
God's grace and kindness, we can't be kind on ourselves. Mm. Like God is so kind on us. He is just so gracious and so forgiving. I need to give myself that same grace. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like my daughter at the moment, um, she's learnt it's my fault um, because, you know, Raggy and I say it a lot when we, you know, like we'll apologise for something and be like, sorry, Habibi, like this is my fault. Um, I didn't mean to do that. And so she's learnt my fault. And little things like if I trip has nothing to do with her. She's on the <laughs> other side of the house. She'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry, mum, it's my fault. I'm like, no, sweetie, why would you say that? Like, it's clearly my fault. I didn't see what was on my under my foot. <laughs> and she'll be like, no, it's my fault. And she'll put her head down and she'll be like sad. And it just got me thinking, like, if if God is so forgiving when I do something wrong and I beat myself up, beat myself up, like that tore me to shreds. I'm like, yeah, I'm not even putting – you did nothing wrong and I've – even if it was your fault, even if you did trip me over, I've forgiven you a hundred times over. Why would you beat yourself up? Mm. I feel like that God looks at us the same way. Like he's forgiven us. He's given us freedom. He's given us the choices that we make on our own with his guidance, with his grace. You know, it's done. It's dusted. Be happy. Be joyful. Mm. I've got this. And we kind of beat ourselves up. and like, no. Like yeah. you don't got this. <laughs> like yeah, this yeah. is... My fault. I'm not doing it right. I can't breastfeed. I gave mm. this. I do this. And it's just we keep pounding ourselves and he's just waiting there like, like, sweetie, I'm here. Just cast your cares upon me because I do care. I do care so much more than you think right now. And it's, it's so much easier said than done. Mm. And unless we're constantly praying and constantly throwing ourselves at his feet. And like you said, in that moment – where you have kind of exhausted all options. There is nothing else I could possibly Mm. do to make this situation better. And in our brokenness we run. You know, we know God is close to those with a broken heart. In our brokenness we finally run and we finally say, okay, look, I see you. Step in because I'm losing my mind. And it's just like we said the first time around, that storm, we just need to try and get there sooner for us for our sake so that we can stay a little bit sane because it's (laughs) an insane period and also so that we can just feel his love and feel his presence Mm. even when the world is throwing tomatoes at you because that's what it feels like Mm. Mm. I agree I think like you know there's so much peace to be found in him and I have to be honest when I say like the only times I've ever felt completely at ease have been the times where I've said no can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. just done I'm tapping out you're it and that's the only time ever like in in parenting all the time like like as in over the past few years not just in those first few weeks Mm. um that was definitely the ultimate Mm. is the ultimate help um, is just leaving it to him. Yeah. But I thought we could just very quickly talk about like some of the things that you found that were helpful in that first, like, well, first of all, leading up to your delivery, mm. was there anything that you found helpful in the hospital and then at home, anything that you found helpful? Yeah, so I guess for me the practical um, tips that I got from my friends about what to prepare for the hospital were really helpful mm-hmm. um, because that was something else that we don't really think about. And I had gone out and bought all these really cute outfits, not thinking, oh, you know, 
she's going to puke on them the moment she comes out. Um, so just little practical things, how many changes of clothes, that sort of stuff. And I mean, it's as, as uh, impractical as some lists are on Google, some of them are a bit helpful. So I found that to be helpful just to be a little bit prepared and to feel like, okay, at least my daughter will be dressed when she comes out. <laughs> um, and I guess, I mean, not so much before the delivery because, again, my expectation was very different mm. to my reality. But after, I remember the one day that sticks out in my memory where I felt I am not alone. I have so much help that I need to start accessing was when um, a friend and um, my mother-in-law came over and they didn't say anything. Nobody wanted to hold Leah. Nobody told me how to do things. Nobody told me put her down and go sleep. Nobody even kind of, you know, mentioned anything that everyone was pushing me to do in mm. the first few weeks. One kind of set up camp on the couch just to keep me company and my mother-in-law went in the kitchen she cleaned she made me a hot meal which was the first hot meal I had had in weeks she did everything around the house she did the laundry she kind of just did little things that I wasn't even thinking about they were the last thing they were just adding to the anxiety but they were the last things on my mind I did not have any time and they waited for me to tell them you know, or ask them, can you please help with this? Can you do? And it was just, it. they didn't even plan it. They just kind of rocked up. I didn't know they were coming. Yeah. And it was just, you know, my mum would deliver things all the time. My mum would help me out so much. But nobody came completely unannounced, just did things that they needed to do that they thought I needed mm. and walked out. Mm. And that's that day really sticks in my memory because I remember feeling even if I don't ask, there are people out there who love me and want to help. And I never asked for help. I could never ask for help. Mm. And I remember at one stage my mum was saying, look, keep Leah with me and I, or just keep her with me and go out. Mm. I'd be like, no, like no. And she's like, trust me, just do it. And I couldn't, I couldn't even break out of that. It took me ages to leave her, mm. you know, with someone as close to me as my mom, like yeah. that, she knows everything about Leah. But for me, that separation, it just takes some bravery, just a little bit of strength, just that, that bit of courage to push you over the edge. And I guess for me, if I could go back and tell myself that then, just be brave, just do that one time and it'll change your life. And it has. Mm-hmm. Ever since sort of I got used to asking for help, I haven't stopped asking for help. <laughs> but, you know, the things that, just going back to the question, be there for your friends, go unannounced, don't beat around the bush and tiptoe and like, oh, she doesn't need me, oh, they're busy, oh, they're tired. Mm. Oh, no, reach out, don't just send nice messages, do something. Mm. And I feel, you know, if I had known that, I would have been there you know, for you and for mm. everyone else who had a baby before me, mm. I would have done that because I had that same thought when all of you guys gave birth. Yeah. I was like, I need to give them their space. I'm just going to sit here and send all these nice messages and all these nice verses, which is great. It's really uplifting, but I need you. Sometimes you need the company. Yeah. yeah. And even if it's you coming, having tea and leaving, that's what I need. Yeah. 
So be there, be a bit pushy, <laughs> be, be there for your friends, be there for your family and do the things that need to be done. Trust me, they want a hot meal. Make a hot meal, deliver it, whatever it is. Trust me, they want a hot coffee. Just just do the the little bit that won't take you much yeah. without thinking about, oh, you know, the space. No, 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 no. nobody cares about that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just be here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like I definitely found like having just time with other people, other like friends mm. that made such a big difference to me in those first few weeks, just feeling like I was not completely alone. Mm. The other thing that I did find helpful, which I know, I mean, current circumstances might not necessarily permit for a lot of mums, but was just going out, yeah. getting out of the house. Because when you're inside, that is your bubble and that mm. is all that you can think about. And so I think in those first few weeks, just being able to go out for a walk, um, get some fresh air, see that there is still a world out there mm. that also makes a really big difference. And I think um, for me, the other thing was initially I felt like I just had to put on this brave face, but I realized as soon as I started talking about how I was feeling, other people were like, yeah, actually I went through mm. that too. Mm. Um, or even if they hadn't necessarily gone through it, just feeling like you know a a burden shared is lighter to carry I felt like it was to be easier to get through it Mm. um being able to talk about it um I think probably they're the the two things and I definitely agree with like just you know if you can't like ask ask for help and if Mm. you can't like just put yourself in a situation where like You know, if you've got family, go and just spend the day at their place, for example, because I guarantee you no one's going to take better care of you than your mum will at that point in time. Exactly, Like, you know, that for me was a a huge help. Um, But I also, like, I remember my my experience was actually with Emily, but I remember a friend coming to me and she'd bought, like, pre-prepared meals for Abby um, and I just took them and she's like, just keep these in the freezer. Mm. And it was the same thing, like no big hoo-ha, no, like, can I come over? If yeah. it's, it was just, I'm, I'm just going to drop this off. Like, I don't need to stay, but this is something practical that I've done for you to help you. And I remember like, oh my goodness, the appreciation that I had mm. for that, like how amazing that she had the mm. foresight to do, to do that. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think as much as this is for the new mum saying, you know, get help, it's also for people who, who have friends who are new mums. Mm. Like, just think of, think of, I think it's as simple as think of what you needed and be that for your friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, you know, I know it's so hard to find time for prayer and for Bible reading, but it's not about necessarily having that dedicated time in those yeah. first few weeks, yeah. but learn to call on Christ in your moments when Mm. you feel alone because I guarantee you he is there and he is waiting Mm. and that is something that has sustained me through parenting Um, it's not something that came very naturally to me I think initially but once I started I couldn't stop Mm. literally like Mm. it's that that was my sustenance so call on him it doesn't have to look how your your spiritual life how your time with him has always looked it's going to look very different but use him he's there too um, yeah, and it might not change the situation. It might not make everything physically better, no. but it will change you. Yes, and it will make it will it'll give you peace, I yeah. guess. And you know, it's easy to forget that peace, but we can tap into it anytime mm-hmm. we want. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's uh, he's constantly there. He's never running away. He meets us where we are. Like he is there in the closet with you, <laughs> crying your eyes out. Like 
he is there. So yeah. we just need to call out to him, even if it's in a moment of weakness where we have nothing else to say, we just need to sit at his feet. That's okay. Yeah. We just need to we just need to find him again and yeah. and let him help us and fix this whole situation internally, yes. <laughs> not physically or yes. externally, but calm the raging seas inside us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, okay, and on that note, thank you everyone for listening. Um, it's it's always so fun having these conversations with Marina. It brings up great memories. <laughs> um, but you can catch us, I guess, every two weeks. So every fortnight on a Monday, that's when we'll be releasing the episodes on Spotify and Upper Room Media. Um, so Spotify, it's just M-A-M-I, Mami, and it's Come As You Are. You'll find it if you search it or through our Instagram page. It's in our bio. Um, Upper Room Media, there's a podcast tab and you'll see Mami in there that you can kind of catch up on all the other episodes. Uh, and we're on Instagram. So the underscore Mami, M-A-M-I underscore village. Um, so that's our Instagram page and Facebook, just Mami, M-A-M-I. And send through any questions that you have. Um mm. And we will try and make sure that even if we can't address them directly in a podcast, we'll definitely post something mm. to um, to answer. Yeah. And just reach out. A few of you have reached mm. out already and mm. we're really happy yeah. um, and super excited. So reach out if you want to add anything, if you have a conversation or a topic that you want to hear discussed um, or if you have experiences that you want to share. Um, and also we are um, – kind of working on a website nice. with a, a blog section a resource section and a section where you can also access the podcast um so if you have something that you want to share on the blog we're going to openly receive articles if you have mm-hmm. some sort of level of expertise in something if you're a counselor or you know or you just want to share something or you've had an experience with a specific struggle please 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 get in touch we'd love to put your articles up there um so they'll be mostly guest articles so as many of you as possible would be great to have that blog filled with your experiences Mm -hmm. and and your knowledge on things as well um and slido we forgot yeah so sli.do uh and the code is mami (laughs) m-a-m-i always get stuck on slido anyway it's so we don't use it. Yeah, we don't use it. <laughs> um, um, and next week, we well, next fortnight, mm. next fortnight, we'll be, um, just to lead, in, lead on from this, we'll be having a discussion about mental health. Mm. Um, so please send through dun, any dun, dun. questions <laughs> or things that you want addressed. Um, and we'll try and, and make sure that we have some answers to those things. Yeah, so this is one of our... I guess, most longed for topics. Mm. Um, So it will be as honest as possible. Please, if you have any questions, anything you want to have asked, um, we'll be having a guest speaker as well. Um, So please send them through. We'd we'd love to kind of get your help in our discussions Mm. as well. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. (laughs)